Welcome to the March to a Million podcast with Greg DuPont, founder of the Wealth Solutions Network. In this podcast, Greg shares his journey to positively impact one million lives by creating an army of financially minded attorneys who embrace an expanded role in their clients' lives. Greg and his guests challenge the status quo in the legal profession and the financial services industry and show attorneys how they can improve their lives, provide greater value to their clients, and experience greater professional satisfaction. Join us in this movement and strengthen your business by learning how to solve your clients' most pressing financial problems. Hello and welcome to this episode of the March to a Million podcast. Uh, today I've got a very special guest, uh, Charlie Mann of Law Firm Alchemy. Uh, Charlie and I have been friends for a long time and Charlie's actually a coach of mine uh, and he's been graciously volunteering his time uh, to our end goal of building awareness of the kind of the simple things uh, that people need to do as part of their business development practice in a law firm. Um, Charlie coaches attorneys throughout the country, and he's going to share with us a little bit of what we talked about in our training session uh, so that your time here today is valuable to you. So with that, without further ado, hello, Charlie. How are you doing this morning? <laughs> Greg, I'm doing great. I'm, I'm feeling great. I'm excited to talk with you as always. You know, I would love to you know, have a, a tagline, a tag question like you do on your podcast, uh, <laughs> things they don't teach you in law school. But why don't I ask you, what do lawyers, generally speaking, or even small businessmen, because uh, you've, you've coached small businessmen as well, what do mm -hmm. they not know about marketing that they really should be thinking about as fundamental number one? You know, this is this throws back to one of the earliest pieces of education that I got from Dan Kennedy by way of Ben Glass, right? Ben first introduced me to Dan and hearing Dan talk about the idea that marketing and I, I frame this up actually, Greg, with two easy questions. So if I'm walking around on the street and I ask someone, uh, what is marketing? Chances are what they're going to do is they're going to answer the question and say, uh, it, it's building awareness. It's getting your name out there. It's building a brand. Right. But then if I ask them the follow up question of, OK, what's the purpose of marketing? They'll probably say, oh, well, it's to get clients, customers, patients, donors, whatever business it is that you're in. And the revolutionary idea is why are those two different answers? Why shouldn't it be one single answer of the purpose of marketing is to get you clients, customers, patients, donors, and then the very positive side effect that starts to accumulate and become a primary outcome of marketing without being the singular outcome of marketing is the brand growing, is the awareness growing because I'm connecting with so many clients on a deep level, bringing them in, and now they have the experience and resources to go out there and create my brand. Because how much is the brand what you say about yourself versus what others say about you? I would say it's more of the latter than the former. Yeah. You know, and I learned from the same sources that we are in business to make a client, not yes. to make a sale. And, and the impression uh, that comes from uh, your lead acquisition interactions with the client through the, the whole engagement and, and the aftercare to your point, that's what leaves the impression with the client, which is your brand that goes out into the marketplace. Yeah, I mean, you got to ask, what do you want people to say about you? Which, by the way, 
if you don't have any clients, no one can really speak to what you do. It's why you have to start from the position of, yeah, I'm here to have a client, but a client is not a transaction. A client is a relationship and it exists starting from the moment that they find out we exist to all the way on the back end after we've done, we're done solving their problem to nurturing that relationship until they decide that they want a formal exit from our universe, which by the way, it's another like marketing thing that I've seen a lot from uh, Ben Settle is the difference between what he calls psychological and sociological marketing. A lot of marketing that we're taught, Greg, is psychological marketing. And it's not wrong. It's where you have the uh, demographics and the psychographics of an individual that you're trying to attract. But he also proposes a second side of it, which is sociological marketing, which is can you create a universe that people want to come into and be a part of? It, it might be more easily expressed by the, you know, you're not selling the product, you're selling the mission, you're selling uh, the purpose, the bigger vision of what is going on. So that way people are joining that larger mission, like the march to a million, rather than just saying like, okay, well, this is going to check a box in my life. Now they've transformed their identity because they've worked with you. And that, that's that shift between just psychological to also including sociological marketing. You know, I want to touch on something you just said there, because uh, you mentioned the relationship versus the transaction. Uh, mm -hmm. And when I started my my journey into adding financial advisory to my service model, started 15 odd years ago when I was studying Jay Abraham's work. Mm -hmm. uh, and and, and it, it, yeah, and, and, it, and it dawned upon me there that that was one of the things that that not only did I not like about the practice of law that I had, uh, but I didn't like the way that I felt that the, the estate planning practice, generally speaking, was being conducted by attorneys, where their role was relegated to that of transaction. Uh, and that all kind of uh, intertwined with a case I was working on where, you know, I saw the financial ramifications for the family because the insurance guy treated the family like a transaction. The investment guy treated the family like a transaction. The attorney treated the, fam the family as a transaction. And that's when it all kind of the light bulb went off that said, yeah. Hey, I I've got to work to build relationships. Uh, and how do I bring more value to those relationships? And that's when I, I went down the path of saying, Hey, this is, I'm going to build this model where we've got estate planning is part of it, but it's a general mm -hmm. relationship that's built around that core thing. Um, and, and you just hit right on, um, you know, what I think. And, and, you, and you've talked to attorneys throughout the country. I think that's still the predominant mindset for many estate planning attorneys is it's a transaction, not a, not the start of a relationship. Am I correct on that? Oh, 100%. Uh, there's there's a very uh, limited view of timelines, essentially. Even when we talk with the marketing, a lot of attorneys fall into the mindset. Let's use personal injury because it's kind of the most common one that you hear bandied about. Of, you know, People call me as soon as they've been in a car accident. Well, that's not necessarily true. The same way that people don't wake up one morning and go, I'm getting my estate planning paperwork done today. I'm calling an estate planning attorney. In the personal injury and estate planning, which again, very different practices, yet we can use a similar infrastructure to talk about them, we have the inciting incident. The difference between them is personal injury is a very acute inciting incident. There's an accident. There's an injury that has happened. 
you would think almost, well, that's going to drive and propel people to call an attorney. Here's what we don't recognize. Most people still aren't sure whether or not they need an attorney in that space. Guess what? You see a, a corollary in estate planning. People start thinking about, oh, that inheritance thing. They heard about, you know, some celebrity, this or that, or maybe their own parents passed on and they're finally dealing with the paperwork. And now they're like, I guess I should get it together. I should be an adult with my paperwork. But that doesn't mean that they go and hire an attorney. Maybe they're going to start and go, I don't know, can I DIY this? Can I use AI these days to take care of it for me? What about, uh, I heard about this legal Zoom thing that my buddy used to set up his LLC and I, I think they do a, a paperwork like estate plans. So you have these same spaces. And this is where attorneys oftentimes don't observe the gap between the inciting incident and someone calling the law firm and the opportunity that exists in that space to start a relationship. So that way we're not just thinking about, you know what? If people are smart enough to call me, Greg, people are going to call me. And the rest who don't call me are just dumbed ups, right? That's the, the mindset that I see kind of, they're not going to express it in that language, but that is the mindset that seems to occur is shame on the client for not finding their way to me, as opposed to shame on me for not finding my way to the client. And then after we've done the work, right? The part that we think, okay, we do the work, therefore people will remember my name. And they will refer folks to me. That's not true. I can't tell you the name of basically any medical professional in my life, minus my primary care, not even physician, but the like office itself, right? So people forget about all of these. There are people I've worked with in professional services, in medical services, et cetera. Names would totally escape me. I'd probably recommend what is the main recommendation people are going to make, which is the person who has stayed in front of me over time. So if you perform the service, it doesn't stop there. Now I have to keep the relationship. I have to nurture this relationship and be there. And I can fundamentally understand, Greg, why that is frustrating. You have likely changed someone's life. You drafted the, this paperwork that, you know, and again, that may be how they view it. This contract, this paperwork that will transform someone's life in a personal injury case. You brought home an extra $100,000 to them, even after your cut comes out, right? You change your life. Shouldn't they remember you? No, that's not their responsibility. It's your responsibility to stay remembered. Even great works of literature fade from our mind until the moment someone else mentions them. I, I can't imagine all the books that are that are cataloged in my head that unless you mention the title, I would ever remember that I read it. Same principle applies here. You know, our job is to create a client. Uh, and as you point out, you know, it's you have an initial contact for whatever reason. Uh, and too many people uh, don't have any type of follow up or efforts even you know, to continue to build a relationship with that that client mm -hmm. and then and i know that part of of your core philosophy is you know direct response type marketing and yeah. and tools like that that are more targeted to individuals than broad scale kind of quote-unquote brand awareness type marketing can you can yeah. you speak to that a little bit 
Yeah, so that goes back to that initial idea of that we've been uh, going back and forth on about the the job of the marketing is to get a client. Now, if we want to elaborate on the idea of direct response, the framework that I really like is information-based direct response marketing, because a lot of times what we're thinking about, if we're constructing a marketing plan for a law firm, what we are thinking about is what resources after the inciting incident does your potential client go and look for? So there are, like if you, if you sat down with a legal pad and you just wrote down answers to those questions, you would have a marketing goldmine for yourself. So I'm sitting here with my legal pad and I go, okay, parents passed away. All of a sudden they're sitting in an uh, office being, uh, learning about the will, hearing about the plan, all that. They're going home, they're reading through it themselves, they're talking with their siblings. And finally they're awakened and thinking, I need a plan. What do they do at that point in time? Well, maybe they're confused about parts of the plan. And so they're going to start doing some research on their own about different components of this. And how how are they supposed to handle the sale of the vacate the second home, the vacation home that their parents have? And they do some investigation. Okay, well, in an information-based direct response marketing setup, our objective is to have information available to them that if that person is our idea client, right? That's an important insert that I'm putting in here. And I realize I'm kind of layering and stacking ideas on top of each other. So I encourage everyone to kind of like rewind and re-listen to really consume it all, but I'll try and hold the framework solid here. So if we know that this is information-based and I understand these people are searching for information, I want to be the one who is putting that information out there because I would be willing to bet that if it's a family where the parents had say, a second home, a vacation home, or a rental property, or whatever it is, there might be enough generational wealth that that person is a likely ideal client for me. And it means likely their personal economics, the children, are strong enough that they may have investable assets. In the case of someone who's working with WSN, that's a person who might be thinking more about insurance, might be thinking more about how can they invest in future properties. Uh, maybe they've read a Justin Miller book and they're thinking about what's this whole life insurance policy that I can borrow against, right? They're starting to come up with all this complicated wizardry that they don't know how to execute on. But anyhow, the starting point is parents passed. Now I'm looking at this information. We have that information available for them. Now, this is where direct response comes in. Most people will publish the information and then step back and go, it's enough to create value. I'm not against value. But I do like to kind of <laughs> uh, go on the attack against it as a concept because I think it's uh, the right mi mindset applied inappropriately most of the time, especially for business owners who are trying to get clients. Creating value allows us, if that's our base level, Greg, that, that allows us to kind of stay at arm's length. I'm just going to create value. And again, we come back to the mindset of if you, the client, are smart enough to see the value, and then figure out what you're supposed to do next, which, duh, it means you should call me. That is us putting the responsibility on them instead of owning the responsibility for ourselves. If we own the responsibility, I've gotten someone to my website or my video or whatever it is to look at this information. I now have a responsibility to tell that client the next step that they should take. In that article, let's say it's as simple as a piece of, of content on your website. In that article, am I telling them, if you've recently inherited a second home or a portion of a second home and are now starting to think about your own generational wealth setup, the best thing you can do 
is call us today and schedule a free strategy session, a free wealth planning session, however you want to frame it up. Now I have a direct response. That's where the direct response comes in. It is they will respond directly to this, not respond adjacently, not respond because they happen to make the decision, but I have directly asked them to take the next step. And I've told them exactly what the next step is. Yeah, you know, the the whole concept about adding value, uh, and that kind of goes back to my my Jay Abraham dis- discovery fifteen odd years ago, uh, and what we are doing here is adding different ways that you can add. But you make a, a point there that it was implicit in what you're saying, and and this is the distinction that I ended up making a few years ago uh, with my March to Million, uh, mm-hmm. where where I was initially uh, including people that received information as being people that I counted as being positively impacted, i.e. Right. provided value. But I shifted uh, be, to they actually have to have responded to what you said there. Yeah, so Because providing information does not change, does not have impact when we're actually – receiving them coming back because they've received information that we provided out and they've actually come in for a strategy session and they've taken some action to change right. their life. That's now when we've positively impacted when that value that we offer is matched to the outcome that they want. And there, there's an awareness that that's created that, yeah, it's time to act. And that's the magic of creating a client. Yes. Yes. That is, there is magic in creating a client and there is magic in having the gumption to say, I am not going to hold the world at arm's length and expect them to wise up to who I am. Instead, I'm going to go engage with the world and help people by bringing them in as clients. So that way, by the way, we get a fair trade scenario. They're paying you X amount of money for you to produce this product, which should be enough money where you get excited about producing the product. You get excited about selling more of the product or service that you offer. So that way it's good for them because now they're making an investment in their investments and in their children and in their legacy and their generational wealth. And in the process, you're going... I want to do the best job possible. This is not a a flip it and rip it, like $500 estate plan that you're going to try and churn out as quickly as possible without bothering to double check whether or not the names are spelled right. This is now a meticulously put together plan that is as ironclad and bulletproof as we can reasonably make it for them. And knowing that, gosh, I'm going to put this together and wow, it doesn't matter if this has to be executed tomorrow or 10 years from now or 20 years from now, this is going to take care of people. If you're charging bargain prices on that, you will go grow tired of the work. You will grow, uh, you will grow resentful of your own clients. But here's the, here's the funny part, Greg, in that moment, understand any resentment that you feel in that way, you don't resent your clients. You resent yourself and the way that you've been playing the game. You resent your inability to make the decision to level up. 
And until we understand that resentment that we project onto other people may actually be resentment we have towards ourselves, transformation will never happen because we're always blaming others instead of owning the choice for ourselves. Yeah, that's an, uh, an important observation, and and it resonates uh, with my own experience. Mm. Uh, you know, as as I've shared with you privately, you know, when I started uh, my journey with the Great Legal Marketing, with the group that you used to be affiliated with, um, you know, my my estate planning business was primarily uh, referrals from legal plans. It was a, a good baseline revenue, but it was doing the same plan over and over again and my business model evolved so that i was able to start doing most of that through administrative level so i was you know evolving myself and getting myself out of that before uh, hitting that that point of not being quite happy uh, but you know it, it it resonated with something that my dad taught me and, and that was do you have 30 years experience or 30 times one year of experience, you know, doing the same thing over and over again. And that's right. when we, that's when, you know, we really started changing what our estate planning model was. And as you aptly pointed out, getting a higher caliber of, uh, of client having bigger problems that became better, uh, for the whole overall model than what yeah. we're doing. And, you know, it, it's, and you also touched on another kind of adjunct to that, which is specialization, you know, because when you're in estate planning, there, there's been the movement, right, for years towards specialization. Uh, and so most estate planners, you specialize, am I going to be an elder law attorney? Um, maybe I will be a specialist in, in estate planning. Uh, but I, from what you have seen uh, dealing with attorneys throughout the country, you know, my observation as one of the attorneys outside of that, just my practice, has been that, okay, the, the idea of specialization and having um, the certifications from the bar, as it were, mm-hmm. you can charge more per legal plan, but there is there's a threat, there's a ceiling there on, on what you can do. Um, and that whole idea of specialization I think for a large part is is going to get thrown in the trash heap of history with AI. And now, now it's going to be moved back to more generalization, being a generalist with a, with a focus. And maybe, maybe I'm, I'm parsing words here, but you know, that's what was we're doing with WSN is we're specialized in having knowledge of estate planning in the broader financial world. Mm-hmm. But we're but we're able to bring all that other stuff that used to be each one of them specialists, and thanks to to AI and and the changes of computing power, you know we are kind of a specialist in bringing all these general things in focus. I, you know, I mean, maybe you can make some sense out of that <laughs> stuff that just ran out of my mouth. I would compare it to software. Interestingly. So let's look at a software in the podcasting space. There are two uh, relatively well-known software platforms for recording podcasts, but they do very different things until recently. One of them is Descript, and the other one is Riverside. So Riverside has predominantly been a recording platform with a little bit of, hey, maybe you can get a transcript off of it. Descript has predominantly been transcript and auto-edit of your podcast. Recently, what has started to happen 
is the two of them have copied each other's spaces and started to put them in place, which means like with the uh, getting more things under the roof, well, they can identify, okay, we're sort of a whole health podcasting for people, especially on Riverside, for people who are recording with more than one individual. That's sort of their pseudo lane. They now do all the components within that lane as opposed to, hey, we're for people who are recording you know, multiple people on a podcast, but we don't do the auto edit stuff. We don't do the auto clip stuff. That's someone else's bag. Descript looked at it and said, hey, we're more for people who just need to upload their audio and get it all together. Now, each of them is blending a little bit more, still has a, a type of lane that they're going into, but they've housed the service components in one place. So if I wanted to, I could just pick one or the other. In estate planning, if in the past it was, okay, well, uh, you know, I, I'm going to have, or, and really it's the wealth space, right? I've got my financial advisor. I've got my insurance products person. I have my estate planning attorney. And by the way, they never talk to each other because even if even if they do a good faith effort early on, it's hard to make that happen on a continuous basis because guess what? They've got a lot of clients to take care of. And if you're the only one who's asking for them to communicate, that's going to fall by the wayside. But if you become the firm owner who places all of that in one place, now we have a coordinated movement and protection of the money on behalf of the client. Will every estate planner go down this route? No. Some are going to specialize and focus. Maybe I want to be really great at special needs planning. That's going to be my space, right? People are going to find these spaces. But for the, the firm owner who's thinking like, why am I one component of someone's life? Why can't I be multiple components here. Why shouldn't we have this all in one place for total financial advocacy? That is what is happening. That is a dynamic shift in the market. And by the way, every firm owner, especially estate planners, with the uh, the invasion of AI on contracts in particular, needs to move um, up market in some form or fashion. You cannot just rely on I'm going to do wills and simple trusts for the rest of my life. They they come for the the base 80% of estate planning work first. Any technology is going to come for the base 80% of the work. You need to move yourself into the upper 20%. Here's the cool thing about like what can be done through WSN is you're not even moving to the upper 20% of estate planning. You're going, I'm playing a whole different game over here. Because here's one thing that the AI really can't touch right now. Paying attention to all of this stuff and coordinating it together that dynamic shift takes you out of this way of AI. And as you have advocated for, Greg, puts people directly in the relationships business, the relationships business and the strategy business, rather than just the execution of a questionnaire, which sometimes that's what estate planning and I'm not bagging on it at all. But sometimes that's what it comes down to execution of the answers on a questionnaire. And now it's I'm a strategist for this person's financial future. Well, totally dynamic shift as a, you know, it's the blue ocean strategy. And to your point about the, um, the software for podcasting, all that there, where essentially you're relying upon the platform to curate all the other stuff that's necessary to get you the outcome that you're looking for. And then you're mm -hmm. able to pick and choose from the curated um, uh, selections from that. And, and that's, 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 that's absolutely the model that we're talking about here. 
Now, you and I had had a, a nice lengthy conversation as part of our training here. Uh, and as we wrap up today, uh, mm-hmm. I want to anybody that's listening to here, I, I, I encourage you uh, to follow Charlie. If you're an attorney or a small business owner. He's a wealth of knowledge. So, Charlie, if you'd give a shout out to how people can you know, get a hold of you or your podcast and all those good things. Yeah. So the first thing I'll do is, you know, if people are listening to a podcast, easiest thing to do is go and grab another podcast. So go and subscribe to the show. They don't teach this in law school. And uh, if you're listening to this episode of Greg's podcast, uh, not too long after it comes out, Greg was on the show within the past several weeks uh, talking about his playbook for impact and positioning for law firm owners. So go and check out that episode and subscribe to the show. Uh, you'll get an awesome perspective from Greg over there. Uh, and then if people want to hear from me more consistently, go over to lawfirmalchemy.com. And in the upper right-hand corner, there's going to be some type of join the tribe, join the email list, some type of offer up there. When you opt into that, uh, you will see all kinds of ideas, strategies, and tactics that I share regularly with the law, broader law firm alchemy community. Charlie, thank you for taking some time. And most of all, thank you for your friendship and your partnership on this. Thank you for listening to the March to a Million podcast. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available and get in touch with our team by visiting our website at www.wealthsolutionsgroup.biz or give us a call at 614-432-8065. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Wealth Solutions Network. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice from qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have.